and uh, get the attention of some people, I would imagine, if they were any what related at all, right? And um, that's kind of a, an interesting thought. As we think about our Easter presentation, maybe we could apply this. Maybe that's the person we need to be talking to right now because we'd miss them if they weren't there. Sunday morning, um, I was just thinking out loud, and Steve and I was talking after we saw this throng of people over here. Um, we got thinking a little bit about what Sunday morning might look like. <laughs> There's going to be a raft of people up on the platform, and uh, <clears throat> we're going to need a few bodies out here to sing to. And we're not going to go after the churchgoers, okay? Just telling you right now. We'll let them come Sunday night. So Sunday morning, think about it. You have these C&Es, right? You know what a C&E is? Christmas and Easter. That's the only time they ever come to church. You've got a bunch of C&Es that you know. And I was thinking the first person that you ought to be thinking about, especially those of you that are in the choir, we've got we to think this. We've got to do some networking, Okay? It's serious, but it's kind of, you got to think about it. There's somebody out there that would come and listen to you sing. Maybe it's a family member. Hasn't been in church in a long time, but they would come and hear you sing. So those of you that are in the choir, I know that you're going to be putting all your energy into the performance and the singing, but you ought to be thinking about who you could invite to come. We have family members, we have friends, we have a host of people. I was thinking this afternoon, there's one guy that he's been dogging me now for almost two months. Keeps saying, going to get together, going to get together, going to get together. Guess what? We don't ever get together. Remember the war room? Let's go to war. Let's fight this battle the best way we know how. We got nine weeks. Let's take and put those names before the throne of grace before we even ask them. Let's take it specifically and let's ask, dear God, I would love to have you fill in the blank. Dear God, if you will provide an opportunity, I will invite them purposefully and specifically for this presentation. Sunday morning, Easter. And God, I'm going to leave the rest up to you. Wouldn't that be a great prayer? Every one of us probably has two to ten people just like that in this room. Do you see what could happen Sunday morning? Real quick. We could have to bring in some chairs. That would be a real good problem to have, wouldn't it? Folks, they're not going to come just because we put it on the radio. I hate to tell you that. Or we put a newspaper ad out. They're going to miss it. They probably don't listen to that section of the newspaper or read it or whatever, listen to the radio. But if you ask them, all the radio and the newspaper stuff will just add to it. First principle, we need to pray.
We need to ask that God will use this in a mighty way. It is a powerful story. You can't miss it. It's going to bring them right to the conclusion of, hey, do I believe or not? That's huge. So let's pray specifically as we think about that one. Because, folks, man, we're going to miss them if they're not there. Let's pray together. Let's ask God just to help us this evening. Dear God, we thank you so much for what we've already been challenged with, the various songs that we've sung, and just the opportunity to consider outreach opportunities. God, I pray that you would challenge our hearts now to whom it is that we might be able to invite whether it's for this, whether it's the man for God, whether it's just an opportunity to get together for coffee, I pray that we would be thinking of individuals that we can share the glorious truth so that they can understand the grace and peace that only you could give them through Jesus Christ. God, we thank you so much for the way you're working in our lives. We thank you for the way that you're looking after us. And even in this situation with Carolyn, it could have been a whole lot worse. God, we're hearing different stories as to what actually took place and recognize the fact that you spared her. It could have been a lot worse. God, we pray that you help her as she recuperates. Continue to pray for Phil. Encourage him this evening as he prepares for another week of various treatments and uh, various things that they do for him. I pray that... This will be a good time, and we know he's had opportunity there to be a light. Use him. Tonight we also bring Larry Rushton's dad before you, Gordon, as he is in hospital also suffering with congestive heart failure. God, we just ask that you would encourage him, Larry, the family, during these times especially. God, we just look to you for this week ahead. May our hearts be anticipating and excited for how you are going to work out your plans in and through our lives this week. We thank you tonight. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. What are you praising God for tonight? Anybody quickly? Praising God. Anybody got to praise? You got week one down, huh? Structured study. Well, that's good. Structured study. I haven't heard that said for a while. That's good. That is a good thing. Anyone else praising God? Thank you, Jeremy, for coming. Um, <clears throat> we could have this conversation. It's good. Yeah, there's lots going on, right? Anybody else besides Jeremy? Or are you, have you fed all your information to Jeremy? That's why he's up at the front here. He's doing a great job, isn't he? Reminding us of all those things. It's great. We're grateful that Jeremy is here. God's always there in our presence, and 
it's one of those things where there is a bit of a choice, though, isn't there? In the area of acknowledging God, sometimes it takes, it takes me a couple of minutes to figure that one out, right? Because sometimes I just don't see God in it immediately. And that's practicing, right? Taking captive every thought. And that is a put-off, put-on principle of God's Word. Anyone else? That's good. That is a good thing. We can get together and enjoy, have fun. It's not all boring and serious. Mm. Go ahead. Continue to pray for Tom during this, too. Heather? Mm-hmm. Yep, answer to prayer. That's cool. All right, great. Another week ahead of you. Let's be thinking about ways that we can thank God, and uh, it's just great to hear how things are going. Nehemiah, if you've got your Bible there, let's look here. We're jumping through. Um, we've gotten into the latter chapters of 7 and uh, 13, and um, <clears throat> we've built the wall 52 days, and now the work really begins as we see what's happening in the lives of the people. Um, last time we were together, we've looked at chapter 8, which was the book of God, and we spent quite a little bit of time in the area of just developing that idea for our own lives, the value, the importance of God's word in our life. And it's not just a lucky rabbit foot. shouldn't be something that we just carry around. It ought to be something that we are actually in. That was the challenge as it was with the people of God. But it's interesting when you look at the word of God, when it gets into the people of God, chapter 9, all kinds of things begin to happen. And that's what was taking place with the people of this time. They had done this amazing work for God. They had been delivered on numerous occasions. And now once this was passed, they jumped into immediately this period of time of revival. And it was wrapped around God's word. And that particular week, Al Cabral spoke to us on loving God. It seemed to just fit right in with where we were, what we were talking about. The value of God's word and the importance in the transforming nature of God's word. And I think on a Sunday night crowd, we would all get that for the most part, wouldn't we? From the standpoint that when I spend time 
with God in his word, it's amazing what he reveals to us. Okay. I know you believe that, right? Okay, just check it. So we come to this chapter, and we kick it off from the end of chapter 9, just rehearsing just a little bit. We find out it says, because of this, because of what? The Word of God working out in our lives, bringing about that change in our lives, in our heart, in our direction, in our focus, and removing all these obstacles that we've put up, and all of a sudden, our relationship with God is the most important thing. We find in verse 38, because of this, we make a firm covenant in writing on sealed document were the names of our princes, our Levites, and our priests. Signatures. Anybody sign any documents this week? What kind of documents do we normally sign in the course of a week? Anybody? Help me out. Check. Some of you do. Anybody else? We sign the, the, uh, the uh, whatever it is, the screen. What do you call that? The interact, whatever that thing is, right? The electronic signature. I've had to do that numerous times when a delivery comes down. You don't sign a paper. You sign this electric thing and, shh, and it's gone, right? What else do you sign? Insurance forms. Mm-hmm. That you did this week, Connie. Anybody else sign anything? What's the significance of your signature? Okay, it is to authenticate that it is really you, right? Because usually it's kind of like fingerprints to a degree. I guess if you really, 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 really work it over, you can maybe fabricate somebody else's signature, but you got to be pretty good at it, right? So it does do that. There's a commitment, okay? Um, anybody else? Why do we sign these documents? Ownership. Okay, yeah. Yeah, it's like, okay, I'm buying in. You ever done that with an automobile, guys? You've looked at this thing, you've thought about it, you've driven it, you've got excited about it, and now he pulls out the document and you have to sign for it. That's the point where I start to get a little, do I really want to do this? Ownership. Anybody else? Signatures. Yeah, got to do it at the bank. Unbelievable. Sign your life away. So we are familiar with signatures, right? We know the value of a signed agreement. Now, it's interesting. Probably most of us would be petrified if we read some of the fine print. Have you noticed that lately? When you get an official document, we went through a variety of things with the house up here that we had to sign, and I couldn't believe it. I mean, it was a simple, I thought, transaction, which led to about a 26-page fine print behind all the stuff that you just signed your life, firstborn, and everybody else, right, kind of thing. Commitment. Interestingly enough, 
This chapter preceding was about God's word working in the hearts of people's lives and it drove them to this particular point. It drove them to a place where they, not being coerced, but voluntarily are making a covenant with God. Wow. And to make sure they signed it. Chapter 10. We begin to look at this covenant that was made. And we see on the seals are the names of all these people. And so as we look at this chapter, we can break it down in three ways. You can see those who signed, what it was they signed for, and what their commitment was going to be, all in one chapter. And the fine print is all there for you. So as we think of it, let's just read down through, pull out some things this evening, and hopefully we'll finish at the same time. Here we go. The first person to sign is who? He's back in the game again. Isn't it an interesting thing? He was not involved in the reading, but now he's involved in the leading of the signature. What's the significance of Nehemiah being the first person to sign the document? What does that indicate? Leadership. In what way? Totally committed to it. Anybody else? An example for the others and everything in between. I am looking at a Sunday night crowd that is comprised of spiritual leaders in this community. People are watching to see what we sign on for or what we don't. It's important, folks. Nehemiah knew that. We look at this list, and I can't go down through here, but if you're looking for a name for grandbaby or maybe one of your own later, I don't know. You might pick out a few names there. But there's a host of people here, some 84 names that are listed. Look at verse 9. We see Nehemiah being the governor. Verse 9, you see the Levites. Verse 10, you see, and the Levites and their brothers. In verse 14, you see the chief of the people. So we see it's a collection of different people who signed on for this. And we get down here to verse number 28 and we see, and the rest of the people signed. The priests, the Levites, the gatekeepers, the singers, the temple servants. And we see who could sign up. Going back to chapter 9, it says, all who separated themselves from the people. And we talked about that in verse 9. Who separated themselves from the peoples of the land to the law of God. When we sign for God, we are signing a declaration, are we not? When you trust Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, the word is to repent. We repent. Repent means to turn. We turn from one way to go the exact opposite way. So 
We understand separation here. It's not one of those things of legalism or any of that kind of thing. It is a dedication to God Almighty. And in this particular case, we see that there were three areas that they made. When they signed up, there was this covenant that they were signing on to. It was a covenant that was going to involve their home life. It was going to involve their business life. And it was going to involve the place where they worshipped. We read here, it says, All who had separated themselves, verse 28, their wives, their sons, their daughters, and all who had knowledge and understanding, joining with their brothers, their nobles, and they entered into a curse and an oath to walk in God's law that was given by Moses, the servant of God, to observe and do all the commandments of the Lord, our Lord, and his rules and his statutes. Is that ever a mouthful? It was not only going to be an oath, but it also had the negative of a curse. So when they were signing on, they were saying, we want the blessing, but we also know if we don't obey, there could be the negative part that comes with it. I mean, I'm thinking about this a little bit. Now, I'm going to tip my hand. As I got thinking, where in the New Testament, where today do we have anything that even comes close to resembling this kind of a commitment? Is there one? Should there be one? What about Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2? Is that not some kind of a commitment before God Almighty? Anybody want to quote that one for me? Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I beseech you that you present your body a what? Holy acceptable. Holy, holy is separated, right? Holy acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And then it goes on to say in verse 2, what? But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So we can understand that in the Old Testament, though they were under the law, though these rules and regulations were all bound up in the Pentateuch, and Bob was reading there, and he couldn't get up here and tell us all those rules and regulations and things that they were involved in. But somehow or rather, we've kind of removed ourselves from that. It almost put us on different ground. But yet, there is a commitment of God's people that I still see today, but I'm wondering, where is it? And the unity of God's people. Okay, everybody want to sit up here for a minute. Hang on. I got the car running. Sandy, are you ready? Just in case this doesn't go over well. (laughs) For the next few minutes that we have left, think about church membership in light of what we're talking about. You okay? 
I didn't see any guns drawn or anything. No one's packing, are they? Have you noticed lately that we don't emphasize church membership? Is that just a trend? I've only been down here a year, so I can't really include you in my unofficial stats. But we don't hear a lot about church. If we do hear a lot about church membership, it's negative. It's not something that we really want. Oh, well, that confines me. That just, it's just, what's the value of it anyway? Hmm. Then... As you look down through here, and we're not going to have time to read all of this, but it's interesting because, as with church membership, there are certain things that we should be obedient to. And one of the big things in church membership is not just a doctrinal statement, it's just not the Constitution and the bylaws, but there's a lifestyle agreement that goes with this document that says we the people believe in God and we are going to live for God and it's going to begin in our home. Derek, Sunday school class, I was thinking of that this morning. Starts with the home, didn't it? Unbelievable the value and the importance. And they realized culturally there was a significant challenge when they were allowing their daughters to marry out. Now, I could really get into this one and really get myself all worked up into a dither. We in the New Testament would call that being unequally yoked. There's another phrase that you don't hear a lot in Scripture about. Not only does that have something to do with marriage, but in the context, it has a lot to do with business. And it's interesting, we go right from that, right into the business practices of this group of people. And they begin to identify no more selling on the Sabbath. We're not going to buy from these people anymore. Because they had read the law, they had read the book, and the book had specifically said the Sabbath was to remain holy unto God. So we see the home. Then we see the business, but then there is a chunk that has to do with the temple. And he starts talking about all these tithes and all these offerings. And I had a chuckle. i got to read this to you. See if I can find it really quickly here. Yeah, oh, here it is. And verse 37. I think this is even, I don't know what the King James says, but in the ESV it says, and you're to bring the first of your dough. So, I mean, they, they got this one down. Yours to bring the first of your dough and your contribution and the fruit of every tree and all these things. And you see all these various tithes and all these various offerings and if you remember, looking at it, it was the sole reason of offering to God, yes, but it also was to maintain the worship. Because there was a host of people that lived off the worship. Interestingly enough, there was a leadership principle in here that says and reminds the leaders who were living from all these offerings that were giving that they too were to give 10%. Like it. Can't believe it. Started way back there. So it's an interesting text, is it not? 
So as we get down through here, we see, I think it's six or seven different times, the house of God, the house of God, the house of God, the house of God. Remember, Ezra built the temple, Nehemiah built the wall. Now they have the temple is secured and they can actually begin and continue what God had determined for them to do in the temple. And it was time for the people of God to sign on. Their home, their business, and their place of worship. And it led them to the final commitment of verse 39. We will not neglect the house of God. Now you could see where a good preacher would really get really wound up on this one, wouldn't you? And I could start talking about money and I could talk about paint and I could talk about carpet and we could talk about projectors and we could talk about new speakers and we could talk about all this stuff. Wrong chapter. We're talking about the people of God coming face to face with the Word of God and enlightened by the God of the Word so much that they want to sign on for life, living out the word. Interesting. So I thought about it, some observations tonight, and we'll try to conclude with these if I can. It's one thing to offer a passionate prayer, and that's what we saw in chapter 9. It's entirely something else to live it out. We get to this all the time, right? I mean, it's like, okay, we want to have a musical. Julie and and Krista, they put this thing and they're talking about it and and eventually they decide, okay, we're going to do it. They had to commit. But it's not going to happen unless the rest of you commit. Now, there was 30, how many? 37 people who signed up. Did they literally? (laughs) You're committed. But it's nine weeks away. The value of a signature is important. But I want to say this. Almighty God doesn't need your signature. He hears our heart, doesn't he? Have we signed on for God? Then there's no turning back. Verse 29, if you look at it, I was reading it, and it says that they joined their brothers, their nobles, and they entered into a curse and an oath to walk in God's law that was given by Moses, the servant of God, to observe and do all the commandments of the Lord, our Lord, and his rules and his statutes. When I saw that verse, I got thinking about Matthew chapter 28. 
Matthew chapter 28 tells us to go and make disciples of all nations, right? To go and make disciples. We are to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost and do what? Teach them to observe, obey, do everything that Jesus Christ has taught. There it is. The command is there. Churchill said it this way. We make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. When we sign on for God, we're talking about not just obeying him for what I'm going to get, but in return, what is it we're going to be doing? Love God, love others, right? Another thought I had, randomly here, question, what are we signed on for? That was that Romans 12, 1 and 2. I'd like your comments on that. Because we're dealing with some 20-year-olds. We're dealing with some of your children. We're, we're going to be dealing with some new people that are going to be coming into church. We want them to get saved, don't we? Amen? Amen. That's good. Do we want them to join the church? And if we do, why? What is the value of church membership? That's a huge question that I think we're losing the battle on. And I think that's where we do not have the commitment that is needed. Does church membership make you a Christian? Thank you. Will church membership influence your Christian life? Be careful how you answer that. It's going to be dependent, isn't it, on what it is you signed up for. This whole chapter is about dedication that was voluntary, it was public, it's serious. It's specific, and it's costly. Is that not church membership? If it isn't, then we need to revisit church membership. Anybody have any idea where I may be going down the road here with some? We have to open it up. There's a lot of people who have been in churches all their life and they were never members. And they're going to be in heaven with us and that's not a problem, okay? The new church is going to require sign-in. Ownership. Where did I come up with the word new church? I'm just thinking about what's coming ahead. 
I don't know if you're not listening to the radio, you're not listening to the TV, you're not listening to the newspaper, but you cannot listen to any of the media outlets and think for one moment that we are going to be able to live in this environment as born-again believers the way we always have. I'm going to talk to you a little bit more about some of the things that we're talking, amending. I believe it's in one of the reports that Larry put together. You might want to read it. Because one of the amendments that needs to be in our church to help us to, I don't want to say the word protect, but to help us to be able to maneuver through this crazy world is going to be the whole issue on marriage. We do not have a very good statement. Gender equality, homosexuality, to gender change, it's happening right here in Heartland, folks. We are not going to be one of those churches that uses bully tactics. But we do need to know what it is we believe. And so we're going to consistently begin to look into our doctrinal and into our practice as a church family. It's important that we all know what it means today so that we are unified. Signing in is a huge element. They did it here. I believe we as the people also need to do the same. Food for thought? Talk to me, okay? I'm... I'm just throwing out what I'm seeing in Scripture and what I'm thinking. But I really believe, my friend, that membership in a local assembly is very important. When I read this passage of Scripture, that's where my heart went. There are other reasons, but we see some huge ones right here. As the people of God addressed it, and they were willing to sign in for what it was that God had for them in the future. One last point. When you sign on a document like this, it's public is the other issue. Now we know who is us. And that's going to have significance, I believe, if all of a sudden it's illegal to be in this building. Just saying. Food for thought. Let's stand together, close in prayer. Dear God, we thank you. Quick chapter, lots of things in it turn it into where we live today and we can see that it's for our benefit. It's there for an example. It wasn't just some obscure text that happened a long time ago, but we can see the value of what was taking place and how it took place. They were not coerced. It was a voluntary thing. Nobody was, nobody was looking down on anybody. It was one of those areas where God worked in hearts. God, help us, the people, to consider what it is 
when we say that we're going to obey you, that we're willing to allow our home and our businesses and the house of God to be open before you as a book. And God, that we would be willing to do things together collectively, knowing that, yeah, this guy over here is different than I am. But we can agree on this together. Unity is an amazing thing. And a principle that Jesus prayed for in the garden before he went to the cross, that we would be unified as he and the Father are unified. God, we know that paper is important. It helps us to know exactly what it is that we are signing up for. And your word is clear as you have given us the words for us to observe. And may we just have those words and not our own preference so that we can stand out in this world as a beacon of change and hope. We love you. We thank you. Dismiss us now. Give us a great week. In Jesus' name.